can have a seat. Have a seat. I'm making the praise team work overtime today. Um, that is getting up twice in one service. That's what I mean by that. Somebody thinking they're walking off the stage. Uh, get your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew seven. And uh, we're we're doing a little bit different today. This is this is what we're going to be doing. I'm going to share with you from my heart this morning God's Word and. Um, you know, sometimes we, we get into this little, this pattern, this structure that we know of as, as church. We come in, we do announcements, we shake a few hands, sing a few songs, preacher gets up and talks a little while, and then, uh, then you've got about five minutes to uh, uh, where, we, where we say the altar is open. And I want you to understand this morning, uh, the altar is open. Um, when, when the Lord moves in your heart, and that, right then is the time to follow it, okay? Um, and so what we're going to do this morning is I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 7 just a little bit. And, and, and then we're going, to, we're going to enter into a time of song again. And in that time of song, pork chops down here, I'll be down here. Um, if the Lord's moving in your heart and you want, to, you, want to, you want counsel, you want somebody to pray with you, we're available to do that. More than anything, we want you to come to the Lord and to lay your burdens down. So this morning we're talking about prayer. Uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. It, the first of this summer, um, you heard uh, a lot of this message if you were here on Wednesday night. Uh, but I want to, to give it to you again this morning from Matthew 7. I, I went this week on a bicycle ride. Uh, just uh, put my earphones in. and was listening to Chip Ingram, uh, a sermon he preached on, on the Holy Spirit. And, and he, he talked about this uh, concept of, of the Holy Spirit in life, and he, he was uh, talking about a, a time when he was a new believer in Christ, and, and how as a new believer, there were struggles that he had walking with the Lord. He thought it would be a lot easier. And one day, um, he, he encountered a, an older believer, a person that had, that had walked with the Lord for, for many years, and, and that, that older believer said to him, he said, following the Lord is not hard. He said he was just blown away by that fact. Blown away. Why in the world? If if it's not hard, why is it such a struggle for me, he thought. Well, then as as he continued the conversation, this older believer said to him, it's not hard, it's impossible. I think sometimes when we look at this Christian life, we we look at what, what the standard Jesus puts up there and he he, he calls us to, and sometimes we, we get so caught up in trying to live up to that that we, we fail to realize that, that walking with Jesus is not just hard. It is impossible when we try and do it in and of ourselves. And, and so when we have looked over this Sermon on the Mount over the last however many months we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, what we found is some real... Um, impossibilities. We, we've seen some, some parts of life that, that just don't make sense to us. Things like, um, like loving your enemies, right? That, that is, uh, that's something that's not on our radar most of the time. It's something that, that uh, the, the easier thing is just that we get rid of our enemies, just push them out of our lives, have nothing to do with them. That way, we're, we're not tempted to be angry more often. Uh, or or he, he talks about that instead of, of pride... Uh, he says that we're to have an attitude of meekness. Uh, 
not to, not a weak attitude, but an attitude where our our power is yielded under the authority of the Lord, so that we don't feel like we have to rage out at, at anybody or or any situation. Well, we talked a couple of weeks ago about judge not, lest you be not judged, and and really naturally, naturally, aren't we good at judging others? And that that's a natural response. Folks, we're not following a natural God. We're following a supernatural God that says, that's not our place. And so as we, we think about these things, we, we recognize if we really dig into those and we really see how, how holy God has established uh, this call on our lives, the way we live our lives, and how we don't meet up with that, what, what we find is this. We need help. I need help. Anybody else in here need help? We all need help. If you don't realize you need help, you need help. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, we hear Jesus' words. That's what He said. I've laid out a lot of things for you. Laid out a lot of things that you can't do on your own. I invite you to just ask. That's an incredible thing. Let's read Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? an incredible thought to realize that the God of creation, the God of the universe, the one true and living God, longs, desires, wants to hear from you. And He wants to hear from me. When you look at the entirety of Scripture, you find that when God created man, He created man uniquely in His image. Why did He create him in His image? Because God wanted. He didn't have to have fellowship with man, but He created man with an ability to, to walk in a relationship with Him. And you see Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, we, we don't get a, a huge glimpse. Uh, we, we, we just get a, a, a small glimpse that, that God walked with them in the garden. That, that they knew the sound of His footsteps in the garden. Yet when they chose to disobey God and rebel against Him, what happened was that fellowship was broken. That relationship was broken. No longer were they walking in the garden with God. They were put outside the garden. They were put outside of fellowship, and they were condemned to death because of their rebellion and sin. And when you, from Genesis chapter 3, where, where the Lord speaks this, this curse against the serpent, uh, he, he begins to give a, lot, a word of hope in chapter 3, verse 15, where He talks about how the, the seed of the woman, that is the Messiah, the, the Christ, would, uh, would, though the serpent would bruise his heel, what would, the, what would the Christ do? What would that seed do? He would crush 
the serpent's head. And, and, and you see this word of hope and this, this build up that, that this promise is there. To Abraham, the promise was made that through his seed, the whole world would be blessed. A, a mention of the Messiah. To David, the, through his lineage, the Messiah would come and, 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 and that the Messiah would be crucified. Uh, through the prophets, and, and you see this build up to, to you get to Matthew, and all of a sudden you see that Mary, a virgin girl, is expecting child placed in her by the Holy Spirit. And that child would, would be born the Christ child, and, and that God put on flesh and dwelled among us as, as Jesus, and He lived a perfect sinless life so that He could uh, die on that cross to pay the sin debt to pay the penalty of my sin and your sin. They buried him in that grave. And on that third day, boom, he burst forth alive forevermore. Why did he endure such things? So that you and I could once again live in relationship with Almighty God. There's no longer a dividing veil there's no longer a great chasm that we can't cross. But because of what Christ has done, you and I are brought back into that relationship with Him. And as we are brought back into that relationship with Him, we can hear Him say, as He did to His disciples, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. In light of that relationship, I want to encourage you this morning. Your biblical truth is this. Jesus invites His followers to ask the Father in times of need because He is a good and a giving God. Three things this morning. Number one is this. You are invited to call on Him in prayer. You hear that? The great God of heaven, He is, he is transcendent. He is far above us. He is uh, not like us. He is greater than we are. And yet He allows us, He calls us, invites us to call on Him in prayer. This One who, who is sovereign over all looks at us and invites us saying, just ask. Just ask. Ask and it will be given you. Uh, just a few things about this uh, that I want to point out to you. Ask, seek, not. These are commands. This is an invitation to us, but a command is given to us that we should come before the Lord and we ask Him and we seek Him and we knock in search of Him. Uh, the point of that is this, that as, as believers, you and I are given this great privilege to go to the Lord in prayer, but it's not, that, it's not something that should be on the back burner. It's not something that we should do as a last resort. The very first thing you and I should do is as believers in Christ, is, is to call on Him, uh, to, to follow His command and obedience to, to pray and, and seek His faith. These commands, though, they're, they're not just... Um, uh, this prayer is not a one-time experience or a one-time event. It is an ongoing experience of God in our lives. These, these are ongoing commands. They're in the present tense. That means you keep on asking you keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. You be persistent in coming to the Father. Not, not as though you are uh, persistently begging Him, but you are persistently being in His presence, calling out to Him. Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable of a widow woman who was seeking justice. 
uh, he, he told that this, this widow woman would not leave the judge alone. She constantly came before him. And finally, finally, this, this obstinate judge, this one who was cruel and mean, who would not listen to her, said, Oh, if you'll just leave me alone, if you'll just leave me alone, I will meet your request and serve you justice. Listen to how Jesus summed that up. Uh, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to His elect who cry out to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. What is Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying, when we come before the Lord, we can know that our God wants to hear from us. We're invited to pray. They're commands, they're present tense commands, but they're, they're progressive. In their, in their seeking, they're progressive. He, he begins with a simple uh, ask. Uh, ask. And, and I think this progression shows a greater dependence on Him, a greater dependence in our lives on Him. And so we begin with this asking in prayer to simply bring it as a request before the Lord to lay it out there in order that we can, we can uh, seek His face. The Scripture says, if you ask anything in faith, you shall receive. So if we come before the Lord, if we have faith and we ask Him anything, uh, isn't that a sign of our faith? To ask? Isn't that a, a step of faith asking? Well, He invites us to ask, but He also says here, seek. Seek. What is seek? Well, asking is laying that request out. Seeking implies an active role on our part to, to look for the answer. Listen, I know there's an answer. I may not at this point know what it is, but I know there's an answer. I know I can find the answer. And so I actively pursue that when I seek the Lord. I know it'll be found. Look, now I've used it probably, I don't know if I've used this illustration before, but I have five kids, right? It happens on occasion that um, I will walk into the house and I will sit down in my chair and prop my feet up on the ottoman, and I'll get comfortable when all of a sudden I realize I can't find a remote. Any of y'all ever had that problem? Now, what do you do when you can't find a remote? Here's what I do. I say, Wendy, where's the remote? Hannah, where's the remote? And I'll go through all, I'll go through Wendy and all five of the kids. And, and there are occasions where it comes back to me. Nobody knows where that remote is. That's a terrible situation. It's an awful situation. But at that point, something happens in me. I get up. I know that remote somewhere in the house. And I know that it will be, it can be found. And at some point after all the, after I ask them and they are no help to me, I have to get active in the search. And so I get up and I begin to look for the remote. I, I know it's there and so I'm going to seek it out. And so the Lord gives this command here, seeking, uh, ask, then seek. Now look, the Lord already knows the answer. Okay, He's, he's not helpless for us, He may just not divulge it immediately to us. So we seek Him. We constantly seek Him. Well, how do we know where to seek? Uh, 
how do we know where to seat? When I was growing up, um, and, and I know uh, y'all are with me there, when I was growing up and I lost something, I don't know how many times I heard my parents say, well, son, where was the last place you saw it? Anybody with me on that one? Now, how many of you have said that? Yeah, I, I tell my kids that all the time. Where's the last place you saw it? You know, the, the idea is 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 pretty uh, pretty clear. The theory is that if I can remember exactly where I saw it last, I might find it right there. Well, that would help if I had a good memory. Uh, some of you know I struggle with that sometimes, and and it makes good sense. That, uh, that when we know where we may have had it last, we might have a good idea where to look for it. Or where we look where we think the answer might be. So when it comes to our walk with the Lord, our prayer to the Lord, where do we begin in seeking? Our temptation is that we look under every rock. And we try and find every avenue where we can fix it for ourselves. But in our faith and our walk with the Lord, let me tell you, the best place to begin seeking answers is where? Him. To seek with Him because we know He has the answer. We know that He is the answer. That brings a song to mind. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Man, y'all just left me hanging on that one. Isn't that true? I mean, look, we, we, we live in a world that is chaotic. And we look at each other and we say, what is going on? Folks, listen, I want you to understand. The answer to the need in our lives and in our world today is in Jesus. And so He invites us to call on Him. Why don't we begin seeking right there? Scripture says, You will seek and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. The third command He gives there, Knock. 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 That is, a, that is a means of signaling one's presence uh, outside. It, it reminds us of our desperate need. It, it's not that He has forgotten us. It's that we are reminding ourselves. We are coming before Him to signal, Lord, we're here. We're calling out to You. But we're reminding ourselves that He alone is the hope that we have. And so we continue knocking. We ask and we seek. And we knock. Isn't it an incredible thing that our God, this great God that has so many things going on in the world, would have time to say to us, just ask. Ask me. Seek me. Keep on knocking. And you will find the answer. Not only does He invite us to call on Him in prayer, now look, you can also know that God answers. Amen? Y'all know that God answers prayer? Pork chop, that wait. Are you sure? Do you know that God answers prayer? Look what He says here. 
Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. We know not only is He interested in us coming before Him, not only is He willing to listen to us, this verse says He will answer us. Verse 7 is a promise. Verse 7 says, to the one who asks, He will receive. To the one who seeks, He will find. What are those? Those are promises that are future tense. We don't know the outcome. We don't know when the answer will come. But what we do know when we read these verses is this. We can stand on the promise of God that He will answer our prayer. He will answer. may not be what you want to hear. It may not be in the time you want it. But I can assure you on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that He will answer our prayer. Jeremiah 33.3 Some say this is God's phone number. It says this, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God will answer your prayer. I want you to notice something. We, we can know God's answer. Not just because He promises. We can know because that's His practice. Verse 8. Because the one who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. What tense are those verbs? Hello? They're present tense. That means in the present time, our great God is is answering prayer. It's not just a future thing down the road. It's not just something to come. It is something, it is His common practice that He answers prayer in the present. And based on His promises and based on His common activity, based on what what He is already doing, we can know today that our God answers prayer when we call on Him. And so in that, there is hope. There is hope. Because we know He has the answer already. Listen, we know today that God is not oblivious to our needs. Scripture says He knows our need long before we ask. He has the answer long before we ask. And now we know based on Christ's Word, that He will answer. Last thing. Not only does He invite us to pray, not only do we know that He answers. Friends, listen to me this morning. You can also know that God's answer is far better than anything you and I could dream of for ourselves. Listen, we think we've got, we think we know what we want. We think we know what we need. We think we've got it all figured out. Our society, uh, uh, this, uh, this whole humanistic reasoning and, and ideology says that, that it's on our shoulders and, and we're to strive and we're to go after our dreams because our dreams are top. Scripture says that God's dreams for us far out far exceed anything we could dream for ourselves. That's good news. That's incredible news that God not only wants to hear from us, but that that He has this incredible story, this incredible journey, this incredible end that He is producing 
when we yield ourselves to Him. And he, he brings this out. Jesus brings this out by comparison. Or what man is there among you who, if, a, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? That sounds cruel, doesn't it? Now, just contextually, there were, sometimes the bread in these days looked like a rock. My dad says mom's first attempt at a biscuit would have been a good rock. Um, but, but, don't repeat that. Um, there, were a, there was a fish that resembled a serpent. And what Jesus is saying here is, is that the natural tendency of a parent, the, the, the innate desire of a parent, and I realize there are a lot of stories, there are a lot of messed up things uh, that, that might go against it today, but the innate nature of, of a parent is this, to take care of the needs of his children. Now listen, this is not a practical joke. This is not an issue of a child whining, wanting candy or a toy. This is basic necessities of life. Food, food, bread, and meat. He says, look, you're a parent. If your child asks you for bread to eat because that child was hungry, you would give him bread. And so, so he, he begins to, to draw this picture. And, and then he goes on, verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? He, he goes this, takes this comparison a little bit further when he says, uh, You, you're evil. Okay, now look. I don't want anybody to walk out of here today and say, That preacher said I was mad. I was bad. This is not comparing us to others. When we understand a biblical com comparison, that we are not compared to others, I'm not compared to Trent, and Trent is not compared to me. I am compared to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the, the perfect holiness of our great God. And, and when, we are, when we understand that the comparison is this, in His perfect holiness, you and I don't measure us. You and I are as our righteousness is as filthy rags. We can understand when, when Jesus says here, you being evil. He's not being ugly to anybody. He's just pointing out this truth. We're not like God. We have faults and we have failures. And, and so he, he, he draws this out. If you being evil, in your imperfectness, know how to give good gifts to your children. He asks this question. How much more. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? You see the comparison? I'm telling you folks, our dreams, our desires come nowhere close to what God desires for us. Until we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord. Psalm 34, 7 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will begin to form in us His desires for us. And then we begin to live that out, to walk that out. What an incredible statement. How much more can God do in you in answering your prayers? How much more? Look, He is greater. Amen? Amen. He is greater. He is higher in person. He is higher in character. He is higher in care. He is higher in ability. Our God is higher. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways 
your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He is greater. And our great God wants to pour out good things, good gifts to those who would ask and seek and knock and pursue with all they are the Lord Jesus Christ. Good things. What are these good things? Scripture says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, uh, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What are these good gifts that, that Scripture talks about? Those, those good gifts are strength to be faithful. I'm telling you, living this Christian life is not easy, but in Christ there is strength for those who are faithful. There is grace to be obedient, peace, to not grow weary, provision to sustain us present in our lives. Luke's, uh, in Luke's Gospel, Luke gives, uh, gives us this sermon on the plain, uh, and Jesus teaches something very similar. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is one of the greatest gifts God gives in our lives. His presence. His presence. That He is with us. And that He indwells us. And that we can rely on Him. He supplies everything we need to walk with Him. But it begins in the asking. It begins in the asking. So I ask you this morning, what is it you're asking God for? What is it you are seeking? You understand this morning that He has provided, already provided the answer to your greatest need. When He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross, to be buried and raised again for your sins. He has bridged the chasm that separates you from God. And He said, Come. Believe and receive the gift. He's already provided for your salvation. He's already provided the tools. He's provided everything necessary for you to walk with Him. It begins when you seek Him with all your heart. I want to invite you today to this. Begin right where you are and asking the Lord. About your future. Ask Him today. Ask, Lord, ask for forgiveness. Some of you this morning, you come in here, you don't know the Lord. There's no peace in your heart. There's no answer to your eternal destiny. There's guilt. There's shame. And the Lord may show you that, but He doesn't want to leave you there. He's already provided that, and He invites you. Trust me and be saved. Would you be saved today? Many of us, many of us believers need to once again live in dependence on Him. And if we can go through our day independent of Him, that is, never seeking His face, never calling on His name, then we're not living in dependence on Him. 
we need to yield ourselves once again to it. I invite you this morning to begin right now seeking His face. I want to ask you if you would, every head bowed and every eye closed, invite the praise team to come on up. This invitation is a little bit different this morning. The invitation is open as we sing. The congregation will be worshiping the Lord. But what God's doing in your heart, the greatest act of worship, is not that you sing on key. It's that you yield yourself to Him. Maybe that means allowing Pork Chop or myself or someone else in this room to pray with you about a need in your life. Maybe you want to be saved today. We'd be honored to share with you how you can know the Lord. And so as we sing in just a minute, I, I want to invite you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Would you come? Be saved? Maybe you're just burdened over a need, a prayer need you, you have, that you know of. These altars will be open. You come and you, you seek the Lord on their behalf. As we stand together and sing, you follow. Lord's heart, His desire, what He's doing in you. Lord, thank You for our time. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the invitation to ask, to seek Your face, to knock. Thank You for the promise that You'll answer and that You have better things in store for us than anything we could ever think or dream. I pray in the next few minutes You would shake our status quo Shake us out of it. Lord, help us not be stuck in it. Help us, Lord, to truly begin to seek your faith.